0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Page 8 podcast presented by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm your host, Jake Weiss, and joining me on today's show is...
1: Hi, I'm Callie Stanford. We've got a full slate of sports and lots of guests to cover today.
0: All right, with that being said, let's get into today's show.
1: Hey, this is Natalie Beckerink, content editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone, if you'd like to support this organization and our podcast team, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says donate. Thank you so much in advance and now back to the show.
0: Alright y'all, welcome back to the show. Our first guest is Madison Allen. She's a sports rider here for the Plainsman. And Madison, you're going to the SEC Gymnastics Championship this weekend. How excited
2: are you? I am so excited to be going to such a big stage to watch not just Auburn Gymnastics perform, but all of the SEC teams there.
0: And kinda of, can you talk a little bit about just, you know, Auburn's season, kinda of give it a little bit of a season overview, you know, how they did this season and then talk about kind of this upcoming weekend.
2: Right. Yeah. So if you look on paper at Auburn Gymnastics and you just look at their wins and losses, it doesn't look good for them. Just honestly, they've only had two wins going into this, but their numbers have progressively gotten better. Their last home score was their highest score that they've had. And so with all of that being taken into account, they're going into the SEC championship at number six with a national qualifying score of 196.8, where the highest is coming from Florida at 197.9. So even with all the hardships that they face, they're still rising and progressing and really close to that number one spot, honestly.
0: And what are some of the hardships like the team has faced this season?
2: Yeah, I would say the hardest thing is that this is, as Coach Graber says, the youngest team in the country and definitely the youngest team in the SEC. So especially with how the season ended last year with COVID, now looking into the postseason, specifically the SEC championship there's only three current gymnasts who have ever been to a postseason game that will be competing this weekend. So that's the hardest thing for Auburn right now is teaching these young girls to really understand what it means to not only be a gymnast in college, but specifically in the SEC and how big these competitions are.
0: So, Madison, this is obviously a pretty young team then. You know, who are kind of some of the leaders or the leader on this year's team?
2: I would say that the leader is Darion Goborn. She's a junior. And her freshman year, she actually came into Auburn back in 2019, and she won a national championship, an individual one on the vault. And so then she went through the 2020 season. She was really working on her bars routine, trying to get that up for competition. Obviously, competition ended early. And so now... GoBorn has been really working on her floor routine. She has gotten a 9.95 two separate times on the floor, and each time she got a perfect 10 from one judge, but not from the other, which brought her score down. So I know that she's really trying her best to either keep that 9.95 or even get a 10 in this championship. And we've heard that she has been working on her beam routine, so it's very possible that we'll actually see her in the all-around this weekend.
0: Okay, great. And – um. And I, I hope, you know, you think she'll get a 10 uh, at some point?
2: I really think that she could definitely pull it off. I think the only thing that would possibly be holding her back is how high the competition is here, especially with you're competing against Florida and LSU and Oklahoma, just these such high caliber teams. And the judges are comparing you directly to those numbers. That would be the only thing holding her back, in my opinion.
0: So thanks for coming on, Madison. Is there anything else you kind of want to talk about before we let you go?
2: Of course, I would just like to say how this is such a big tournament for Auburn. And going into it, the national qualifying score that sends you to the NCAA postseason, the average is on your two best home scores, your two best road scores. And this tournament actually counts as a road score. So Auburn is going into it trying to beat their Missouri score, which is a 196.1. Or if it would be possible to beat their best road score versus Florida— which is a 197.025. But Coach Grable was really saying that they're really just looking to focus on that one ninety six point one and that's their goal for this weekend, and just to fix the little things. And I'm really excited to see what the Tigers can do.
0: So there you have it, everybody. If you're gonna watch it at home, or you should follow along with Madison's coverage on Twitter and social media. 196.1 is the score to beat. So if you're if you're going in wanting to, you know, see what Auburn's score is gonna be, that's the number. Madison, thank you for coming on. Thank um, you for having me. I won't be in Huntsville, but have fun in Huntsville. Thank That's you. where the championship is being held. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on.
2: Thanks.
1: All right. Now we're checking in with Dylan Fox to cover baseball. Dylan, how has Auburn been doing in their non-conference play, you think?
3: Oh, thank you, Kelly. Uh I I think with with Auburn's out-of-conference schedule, like you know, all out-of-conference schedules, they've played some pretty bad teams. They've played some very good teams like Boston College. Uh, so you know it's hard to find a consistent, uh, you know, set of performances for this team. So far, I I think they've only lost one bad game against uh, against Little Rock. Other than that, against the against the easier teams, I don't think they really had that much trouble. Uh, against the ranked teams, uh, Baylor, I believe they they lost pretty badly. Uh, Oklahoma, they lost uh, in, in in extra innings in Texas. And then BC they lost two out of the three, including one that was not so fun to watch for for a lot of Auburn fans. But so far, I, I think we see this a lot with Butch uh, and his coaching staff. They're just trying to feel out this team. They're trying to see you know who fits where, especially with this bullpen. This this bullpen has had its struggles coming in. Um, making leads worse. You know, if the starter has trouble, the bullpen usually doesn't have the ability to, to to stay fit. So I I would say as they get closer to the season, Butch will have a better idea of how, how, how to work this bullpen.
1: How do you think they're going to use those learning opportunities to face Ole Miss this weekend?
3: Well, Ole Miss, Ole Miss is, is a very interesting team. They're, they've been consistently ranked in the top 10 in the country. So, I would say, most importantly, that they would need to take pitches. Uh, you've seen a lot of their best players be, you know, do their best because they're patient. Steven Williams might be the best hitter on this team, and it's because he takes a lot of walks. Tyler Miller, he's patient in the same way. Even if the walk rates aren't as high or, or whatever as Steven's, I think that's going to be the most important thing.
1: Is there any issues that you think the team's been having that they'll have to overcome?
3: Yes, absolutely. As I mentioned before, the bullpen is not in a great condition. Uh, they're missing one of their best starters, uh, uh, Jack Owen. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll be back this weekend, but uh, if he is, that would be a huge addition because that enables them to put Barnett or uh, Trace Bright back into the bullpen. And we saw Richard Fitz uh, the other day against Lipscomb. Um, he's really struggled to come. You know, really stru- struggled at the start of the season and. When he's at the top of draft boards preseason, that's a that's a pretty hard fall.
1: Okay. Do you have any final thoughts wrap up? Any information you want to give us?
3: Yeah. Uh, this 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 challenge with Ole Miss. Uh, it, uh, Ole Miss will be one of the toughest toughest series they have this season. Going into Oxford, probably one of the most exciting venues in college baseball. Uh, this pitching staff for Ole Miss is no joke. Uh, Doug Nikhazy, Tyler Broadway, uh, Gunnar Hoglund, uh and the, everybody's favorite psychopath, Wes Burton, on the mound. It, it'll be a lot of fun to watch, but they have to be able to be patient, take pitches, get deep into their bullpen, and they can walk away with a couple wins.
1: Awesome. Thanks for coming to talk to us. Of
3: course. Hey, everybody. Welcome
0: back. We're going to be talking with Jake Gonzalez next to talk about some Auburn soccer. Thanks for coming on the show, Jake.
4: Yeah, of course. Glad to be back after last week. Good thing to get this uh, started and get it rolling.
0: Yeah, we're glad to have you back. So, Jake, obviously Auburn took down Georgia in a 1-0 win, defeating Georgia for the third time this season. Now, overall, how big was this win for the program?
4: It's definitely a big one. Um, this is one of the first times that, like, in a college career, like, Auburn has kind of swept the season series at least in three games against, a, especially an SEC opponent. Um, Karen Hoppa after the game on uh, Saturday was talking about how like this is the first time for a lot of them to do that in college and kind of the first time and only chance they're going to get in college to do that.
0: And obviously, big news for Karen Hoppa was her 250th win. You know how much do you think that meant to her? Well, it definitely means a
4: lot for any coach. I mean, like 250 wins is a big mark, especially in collegiate soccer because you're not playing that many games, so it takes a little bit of time to get there. But that's that's a really big mark to get to, and it's a, it's a good one. It shows kind of the consistency she's had at Auburn.
0: So do you think uh, a statue is coming up next for Coach Hoppa?
4: I mean, hopefully you can think about that, but I don't know if there's that kind of funding for, you know, Auburn soccer.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully that's what's next, if you ask me. But, uh, yeah, so overall, you know, Auburn heads to Louisville. It's going to be on the road this weekend, kind of wrapping up their, um, you know, spring season here. I think they've got four games left. Yeah. You know, what do you kind of expect out of Auburn's uh, matchup this weekend? It's going
4: to be kind of the same thing as uh, last weekend. Um, You know, the defense is going to be outstanding once again. I mean, they've given up one goal all season. Uh, It's the number 10 Clemson. Um, Prohaska has been one of the best keepers, especially in the SEC, but also in the country. I mean, you you give up one goal in five games or four games, like that's a a pretty good rate. Um, But again, it's going to be the wide areas with uh, uh, Mallory Mooney and uh, Olivia Candelino, where it's going to be kind of the crucial kind of spot on the field. Um, because Auburn runs a three back, it's a three-three four is what they run, which is a little odd. But it's a great way to get those kind of forwards out and around to create space in the in the attacking third.
0: Awesome. Well, is there anything else, you know, before we let you go, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything on the show that we feel like we missed?
4: Uh, I think we can talk about Anna Haddock a little bit. I think she's kind of the real a real spark for this Auburn team. She's kind of the the creative aspect of this midfield. Um she's really got a like a, a nice dynamism about her to create some extra passes to, you know, uh, outside spots into Mooney and to Candelino. Um, but more importantly into Loxley. Loxley and Richards kind of have to get going. They've been struggling this so far this season. I think Loxley's I think she might have one goal this season. It was a kind of a tap in from really it was an Anahadic goal that she kind of stole. <laughs> um but other than that, like it's really about Anahadic being able to create these chances for the offense because they've been struggling to kind of put balls in the back of the net.
0: You say Anna Haddock's is the biggest key to to Auburn success this weekend?
4: Absolutely. She she's really got to be the one to kind of help these attackers kind of find the back of that net. She's getting them to good spots so far, but she's really got the kind of that perfect kind of final pass to kind of to set up the
0: goals. Awesome. Well, thanks for that insight for this weekend's matchup, and um, you know, thanks for coming on the show. Of course, glad to be here. Glad to get this show rolling. All right, everybody, we'll be back here. We'll take a quick little break, and then we'll have spring football and Auburn softball coming up next.
5: From the Auburn Plainsman, I'm Jack West, and this is your news for the week. On March 8th, the CDC announced new guidelines for people who have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. However, Auburn University announced that it would be keeping its current policy regarding masks until further notice, even for fully vaccinated students. And on Thursday, March 11th, Governor Kay Ivey announced that she would be extending the state's mask mandate until April 9th, but would not extend it beyond that date. In other news, in response to a list of demands from a local activist group, Auburn President Jay Gouge announced that there had been an 18% increase in black student applications for the fall 2021 semester. This comes after more than a decade of falling black enrollment numbers at Auburn. Gouge also announced that the university will be increasing its need-based scholarship funds by 200%. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been your news for the week. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. We're checking in with Jake Weiss to discuss Auburn softball. Jake, you covered the series versus Alabama last weekend, broke an 11-game win streak. What do you think Auburn has learned coming out of that?
0: So, you know, obviously the first thing I think the biggest takeaway you can learn from this game, this series against Alabama, is that SEC play, not an easy, uh, not an easy task. And for a young team like Auburn, they definitely got to have better at-bats. You know, you look at the overall series and the scores, Friday's game was a 6-0 to loss. Saturday was a four to four to one loss. Then Sunday was a four to two loss. You know, so it wasn't. None of them were blowouts. None of them were you know too too difficult. You know, you kind of look at that Friday and think, oh six to zero, that's a little bit of a blowout. But you know, I I was at that game. Um, you know, there were two times in that game when Auburn loaded the bases, and I mean, you know, obviously it's a six to zero game. They didn't get any runs, so that could have been maybe a six to four. You know, we don't exactly know how many runs Auburn would have scored. But, I mean, you look at that game especially and you're like, there was just some scoring chances that they didn't have there.
1: Coming off the series sweep from number four Alabama and headed into the War Eagle battle, what do you think the team needs to look at as they focus on Kennesaw State because the doubleheader versus Charlotte's been canceled?
0: Yeah, you know, first off, that's kind of funny. Um, not that they had it cancel, but I think it's a little interesting. I know yesterday, kind of an interesting development. Mickey Dean just randomly put out on Twitter, DM me or Auburn softball if, you know, you're looking for a game this weekend. So that was my first clue, like, hey, something's happening this weekend because I thought they had a doubleheader. So we'll see. Who knows? Auburn could, uh, you know, Auburn could have a different opponent this weekend. They could have. They could find that Saturday spot, fill it. But right now, you know, they've got Kennesaw State on Friday and Sunday. Saturdays, you know, to be determined. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for Auburn if they need to go into this world battle is, you know, working at their at-bats and uh, really, too, for the pitchers, um, you know, kind of building back their confidence. You look at the games against Alabama – you know, Matty Pinta and Shelby Lowe really pitched majority of those. A couple pitchers came in in relief, um, like K.K. Dismukes and Lexi Handley. Um, but, you know, they're upperclassmen. They've played before. Um, but for Pinta and Lowe, you know, they're freshmen. And, you know, they both took their first losses of their career uh, here at Auburn in that series against Alabama. So I think, you know, for the biggest thing, for the uh, pitchers, build back that confidence. And for the batters, you know, at the plate, Auburn just really needs to work at getting better at bats, being more patient. Be drawing some walks, get some hits. I mean, I, yeah, I just really think that's kind of the two biggest things. Um, both sides of the know, ball could do to improve.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Do you think um, anything else they need to work on? Because the SEC games are coming up very soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say uh, after this War Eagle battle, you know, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of breaks for Auburn. Um, I think they got to go to Missouri next. Um, then they got Arkansas, A and They've got one midweek, I think, against Georgia State, which is, you know, another non-conference game. So they'll get a bit of a break there, but you've got a lot of SEC games before that Georgia State game. So, I mean, I really just think, you know, batting, at-bats, pitching, just kind of building confidence, you know, that's kind of the biggest thing Auburn can do. Shake off the Alabama series. I mean, they're number four in the country for a reason. And to kind of talk a little bit more about that Tuscaloosa series, uh, or against Tuscaloosa, against Crimson Tide, um, you know, Auburn really just needs to kind of, build the confidence, kind of gain their mojo back. I mean, they were on an 11-game win streak before, you know, so it's possible they can make a run here and there. But I really think, too, kind of my message to the fans, I guess, would be, you know, no, don't think, you know, oh, Auburn got swept by Alabama. It's all doom and gloom, you know, because if you look at it, you know, those games were pretty close. I mean, I personally thought Auburn was going to win one of those. It didn't happen, but, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be too worried I wouldn't be too worried going into SEC to play. Um, I think Auburn can, you know, they're a young team. I think they can definitely make some some noise and win some games here. Kind of build back some confidence.
1: All right. Any final softball thoughts you want to leave with?
0: Nope. uh, I think I'm all good. Thanks. Well, I mean, I'm one of the fellow hosts, so thanks for having me on, I guess. But uh, see you in the next segment, I guess.
1: All right. Sounds good.
0: All right, everybody, and we're here with our final segment of the day. We're here with Henry Zimmer. He's going to talk all about Auburn spring football. Henry, I know Auburn started spring practice this week, and you got to talk with Coach Brian Harson on Monday. Kind of, what are your overall thoughts about you know Harson's first press conference and a little bit about spring practice in general?
6: Yeah, so Harson was uh he was definitely excited about spring as he should be, and you know he's excited to get his hands on the team. He's got a whole new coaching staff, and this is kind of a whole new you know era chapter for Auburn football. He uh, he was. Super thankful for the hard work of his team uh, since winter. He's been with the team since about January, so he's had time to kind of lift with the team, as you see on Twitter. You see him, you know, bench pressing and squatting and whatnot, and he, he gave praise to a lot of the returning guys, Owen Papo, Bo Nix, for their hard work. And, you know, I think he's just excited to see what he's got. And, you know, this is obviously a new chapter for him, new chapter for us as fans, new chapter for the team. Uh, this is Bo's third coordinator in three years, so, you know, that's obviously a big talking point for him. And, you know, I think, you know, only time will tell and uh, we'll see on Saturday in the open practice on, uh, you know, what they've been putting together, at least this week.
1: What do you think um, Harson's major points of focus are for spring practice?
6: Yeah. uh, Quarterback. Obviously, I think that's anybody's main focus. Uh, On Monday, he was kind of mum on declaring Bo the immediate starter, which was interesting at the very least. Uh, Not terribly surprising, but interesting. I think it kind of lights a fire under Bo you know his production last year wasn't as expected I guess you could say and it didn't necessarily match his uh his first year's freshman year but you know he was also missing a spring going into last fall so there's some differences but he didn't say Bo is the starter so I thought that was definitely of noteworthy uh and he definitely did not give praise to the offensive line he uh he said they're still actively recruiting offensive linemen and Outside of Nick Brahms, we're really unsure of who's going to fill out that line. He says they're trying a bunch of guys at different positions. So I guess that'll be something to look for on Saturday as well. And wide receivers, there's a bunch of injuries there, and we're losing two big guys, Schwartz and Seth Williams, to the draft. So who's going to be catching balls is definitely a major question. Uh, we know Tank Bigsby will be running the ball, but outside of that, we don't know who will be giving it to him, and we don't know who will be throwing it. So I guess, you know, only, again, only time will
0: tell with uh, what Harson wants to do with the team. And defensively, did he mention anything you know different on defense? I know it's not you know fans have been used to Kevin Steele, but you know is Derek Mason. I mean, obviously you know it's Derek Mason and his staff now. Did he kind of talk anything about defense any of the changes there?
6: Yeah, so normally Auburn would kind of tend to run a four three, and I think that's what they're most comfortable with. But Derek Mason brings a three four, so he did say that they're prepared to run both and interchange between the two. They've gotten rid of a couple position groups that Malzahn had. And kind of changed around the naming and kind of the style of the position groups, especially with the linebackers that are pulling them down and some of the linemen, especially when they're running a three-four. So they're gonna try and give different looks. I think that kind of spices things up when when a team knows what you're gonna do, you know, they're able to attack it and they're able to game plan against it. But when you're able to have a three four or a four three and then able to kind of switch between the two, uh Harson said that's something they're, you know, trying to do, but he's leaving that to the defense, he's leaving that to Derek Mason and Again, only time will tell. We've, we've had one conference with them, and we'll see on Saturday. But at least from this standpoint, as of right now, they're anticipating trying to run multiple different looks as best they can.
0: And got to ask, you know, last question. Um, spring practice on Saturday, open practice for the fans. Um, anyone's able to go. I think the practice is going to start at 1130. Um, I mean, this is the first time in a long time Auburn's even had an open practice. That's not a day. Uh, how do you feel about that? You know, what? why do you think – Auburn decided to do this.
6: It's definitely a stark contrast from Malzahn. Malzahn is a very secluded guy. He likes keeping, you know, things close to the chest. But I think Harson, as a new coach, you know, he wants to let the Auburn people know, Auburn fans, Auburn everybody know, hey, this is who I am, this is what we're doing, you know, let's be open about this. And especially since spring was all messed up last year, I think it just gives people an opportunity to just kind of get back in the football swing of things. Last year, obviously, was a bit disappointing. Uh, I think the players, coaches, and fans could all kind of agree on that. So getting fans back in with the football team, back in with their, you know, the names they know, I think it's just a good way to energize the team. And I think it'll be a good, a good thing to maybe continue to keep doing, especially since we haven't had something like this since uh, I believe before the Gene Chizik era. So I think it should be a success. And you know, weather is nice. I mean, it'll be a good day for everybody, hopefully.
0: And, you know, final question, uh, and obviously we kind of don't really know all the details of the practice yet uh, on Saturday, but, you know, what do you think some of the things fans and, you know, pe- people should be looking out for uh, on Saturday? Well, I think looking at quarterbacks,
6: obviously that's, you know, the biggest position on the football field. Uh, uh, Harson on Monday did say there's a pecking order. Those are his words, not mine. Not really sure what exactly that means, but he said there is a pecking order. So I would anticipate Bo taking the first first reps of the first team, but he did say Grant Loy was running immediately with the second team so that could mean that Grant Lloyd could get first uh, first team reps and you know they've got guys to fill positions and wide receivers too I think is definitely a big position group to watch out for who steps up there there's a Savion Capers is still hurt from the bowl game so you know there's a lot of different people that can't step up the tight end position is kind of open too and Harson did say that tight end is going to be a position they want to use more than they have in the past uh, he says that they want to put at least two tight ends on the on the field as much as they can. So look for that type of thing. That's going to be something completely different that uh than Malzahn would do. So tight ends, they're the emergence in uh, the Harson offense apparently. And uh potentially on Saturday we'll see a, you know, a bit of that.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Henry. Really Thank appreciate you. it. and uh I'm not sure if you're going to attend Saturday's practice or not, but if you do, you know, enjoy it and uh I hope you might need to have you on next week to come, uh, you know, fill us in on what happened at practice. Absolutely. we will do.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening. Check us out at Plainsman Sports on Twitter for any updates. This has been Page 8, brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm Callie Stanford.
0: And I'm Jake Weiss.
1: Thank you for listening.